Hello, my beautiful burns, my beautiful angel beans. Welcome to today's episode. So this episode is all about the idea of how people take advantage of you and how to know yourself better and know certain aspects about yourself. And I'm going to have questions for you to ask yourself so you know yourself better. So that way it's not as easy for people to take advantage of you. That is going to be the topic of today. I'm going to go into a whole bunch of ways that people do take advantage of you. Some of these ways are conscious, actual conscious sabotage where people are just being outright assholes. Some of them are, yes, it's sabotaging, but that's all they know. And that's just how they treat you based on, you know, how they perceive relationships to be. So for example, someone who uses guilt as a currency, yes, it's sabotaging, but a lot of people are just raised using guilt as a currency and then they do it to other people. So it's not like actively being evil. And other times that's just, they're just here for a fucking good time, but they might be sabotaging you unintentionally hurting you and hurting your goals and what you're trying to achieve. Okay. So I'm going to be covering that. Not all sabotage is intentional or meant to hurt you, but ultimately it does. Then I'm going to cover the things that you should know about yourself. Some of them are just going to be general themes and some of them are going to be specific questions for you to be asking yourself. So that way you kind of can cover as many bases as possible when it comes to people taking advantage of you or sabotaging you. I don't have a brain fact today. We're just going to go straight into the episode of today. And of course, there's going to be a listener question at the end of the episode. I am loving the listener questions. I actually have an episode, maybe even two coming up where it's just going to be all listener questions. There's so many to go through. There's heaps on like friendship conflict, um, family conflict, affairs, the whole thing. So it's going to be juicy and fabulous. Anyway, let's, without further ado, let's get straight into the topic of today's podcast episode. Good times. Let's do it. Like I said, I'm going to be going over things to know about yourself, questions to ask yourself regarding, you know, what you should know about yourself or how to know yourself better. But first, let's see, I did a whole list and obviously this is just a small, a small sample of the actual reality of situation and other and ways that people can manipulate you or sabotage you, et cetera, et cetera. But hopefully this list will get you not only identifying these behaviors in other people, but also it'll get you creative thinking, oh, there's also all these other behaviors that are similar to this that I can recognize in the people in my life that do this to me. Or maybe if you're really fucking self-aware, you can be like, fuck, I do that to other people. Is it fair that I do that? And especially if something, if you hear that I say something that you're like, oh, I hate when someone does that to me, just pause and think, cool, that I hate that when someone does it to me, but do I ever do it to somebody else? Because if you do, this is a moment for you to be like, okay, good times, let's aim to not do that again, okay? Because everything should be reciprocal whenever possible. If you don't like when something's done to you, try and eliminate that from your repertoire of behaviors to the people that you love and just to people in general, really, because it just makes you a more fun, better person to be around. Okay. So like I said, keep in mind that some of these are actively sabotaging as in like they're doing it to make you suffer and they're doing it. So you are disadvantaged in a particular situation and some of them are completely unintentional. Okay. So let's go through some. Number one, they use your weakness to get you to self-sabotage. For example, they encourage you to stay out longer knowing like stay out you know, 
when you're out at night, knowing how easy it is to twist your arm because it benefits them having you out with them because they're not ready to go home. Despite you saying to your friends, I really struggle with self-control. Please, when we're out, can you please, if I say I'm going to leave, please just encourage me to go. You know, you've, you've done things to put parameters in place and then they know that you cave fucking easily. You have zero self-control, especially when you're a few drinks down. You've already asked them to help you. And then you're like, hey, guys, I'm going to go home. And they're like, no, 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 stay, stay, stay. And then you wake up with demons the next day. So that's that's one where I don't consider it to be evil. This is just really common with friends. They just they see you having fun. They want you to have fun instead of them being like, look, is this a moment where we should be agreeing that you should go home even though we're having fun? Okay, so that's one. Number two, peer pressure in general because they want you to do something so they don't feel isolated um, and they don't care how it's going to affect you. They just want to not feel alone in what they're doing and they know that you're eventually going to cave so they, they kind of scrape away at it until you cave. Number three, getting you to do something for them because they know you're a people pleaser and they know that guilt is your currency. This is really common with parents to children where parents will – make the child feel guilty for not being there enough or for not doing enough or for, you know, they, they always try and raise how much they've done for you. So then you feel really guilty and then you feel indebted to them and then they ask you to do all this shit for them. Number four, making you feel that you have to earn your keep constantly by making you feel that they are doing you a favor. So this one is very common in the workplace with certain managers or certain bosses and it's this idea that they're always making you feel like you are lucky to be there. Whether it's blatantly said to your face, you know, everyone's replaceable. You're lucky to be here. You know, do you know how lucky you are to have this job? You know how many people will kill for your position? You're lucky I hired you, all that shit. No one, when it comes to a workplace, I always look at it as no one should be doing anyone a favor. In the sense that it should be a transaction. Okay, so if you are working somewhere what they pay you should be equivalent to what they're getting from you. So if you are a trainee and you need a lot of training, they're getting your services, they're getting your skill set. And if it's a very low skill set because you're training, they're paying you very low as well. So they're getting what they pay for. You're not lucky to be there. They're not lucky to have you. It's a swift exchange. It's a transaction. The same goes for if you're fucking good at your job, you can charge a lot more because if they were to try and find someone who can do exactly what you do, it's going to be very difficult. How replaceable are you? Not that replaceable, so they're going to have to pay more. If you're in a workplace where you're constantly made to feel like you are lucky to be there and you're so replaceable because ultimately almost everyone is replaceable, but if they're drilling that into you all the time, I would, I would actually sit down with my boss or my manager or something and say, do you feel like you are doing me a favor by hiring me? Do you think that I'm not qualified for the job? Okay, that's what I would ask in that scenario. But anyway, that's one of the examples. I'm going on a fucking tangent. Um, so basically often they would do this in a workplace because they're trying to make you feel losing your position so that way you end up doing more than what the job requires and more than what you're actually paid for. That is a form of manipulation and that is conscious manipulation for fucking sure. Number five. Someone who will always get you to apologize every single time because if you don't apologize, they will threaten and they don't say it, but the threat is that they will escalate it and they continue to escalate it with this emotional intensity and they know that you would rather just admit that you're wrong even if you're not wrong in that scenario or take blame for something than have 
the drama and the argument and them being upset with you for days. Now, I've had a lot of um, emails, messages and stuff come through from people who get this from their parents. Their parents will never admit that they're wrong. And this is very typical with narcissistic relatives. And this is also very, very typical with very unhealthy partnerships with like romantic partners where they will refuse to take accountability and they will also use their anger and their volatility as a tool to get you to do what they want you to do. So if you've ever dated a narcissist, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They won't admit their wrongs. And on top of that, they will just blow up and fixate on one tiny thing that you did, like maybe raising your voice. And then it'll be World War Three until you're kind of basically fold and apologize profusely and beg for forgiveness. Okay, so that's another one. Next one, number six, someone who always brings up the past, something that you've done wrong in the past to make you feel bad whenever they themselves don't want to take accountability for something that you're pulling them up on. So you could just be pulling them up on absolutely anything or you could be having an argument about the fact that they were late or that they didn't do this when they said they would, whatever, and they will bring up something absolutely irrelevant but something that you, where you fucked up in the past and they'll throw it in the – what about the time that you fucking X, Y, Z? And then you kind of feel really powerless in that argument and you feel like you are not in your right to pull them up on anything because you fucked up that one big time in the past. That's really unhealthy and that's a great, great way to manipulate somebody because you're using, you're making them feel really awful about something that they've done in a completely irrelevant situation and bring it to the moment So that way they get away with fucking murder because technically going by that tactic, it means that you could never pull them up for anything because they can always just rub that in your face, throw it in your face as like a tool whenever they don't want to be accountable. Now, really for this one, ask yourself, do I ever do this to someone else? Try your best not to do this, guys. It makes arguing really – well, it makes – getting to the bottom of something when you're having a difficult conversation or an argument really, really difficult because it it becomes very irrational very quickly and it's not fair. Number seven, when someone gives you the silent treatment or purposely gives everyone else attention but you to let you know that they're unhappy with you instead of just addressing it, Um, but they don't want to approach you so they make you feel super uncomfortable so then you're the one that has to fix it. Otherwise, the threat is I'm just going to keep making you feel uncomfortable and ignored until you approach me. That's another manipulation tactic that's also pretty intentional, I would say. Number eight, someone accusing you of something or stating that you have to earn their trust constantly and making you always prove that you are trustworthy just to have the bare minimum standard of trust in a relationship. So again, this is typical with narcissists and it's also typical with someone who's been absolutely like burnt in a past relationship, has a lot of bad habits that they've picked up in a past relationship because it was really unhealthy and they're bringing it into this next one, this concept that you've got to earn my trust. You know, oh, you're going out with 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 a friend who's a, you know, the gender that you're sexually attracted to, how how can I trust you? How do I know? How do I know? How do I know that you're not going to whatever? How do I know this? How do I know that? And so it's co- this constant you trying to um, like validate them and make them feel better about it and then it just, you know, six months down the line you're like, wow, this is really a one-sided situation here. And number nine, wanting attention from you and they're not getting it or not getting enough of it. So they give someone else way more attention 
in front of your face on purpose so that you come crawling back to them. Now, this is really common in the early, early, early stages of dating where you really like someone and they – I'm just like when I say you, let's just pretend in this scenario that you're being the manipulative one. Let's say you're seeing someone, it's really early stages, you feel like you're not getting enough from them or you're not getting as much as what you would like from them attention-wise. So then you start publicly, you know, fanning over somebody else or like, you know, trying to make them feel a bit insecure about where they stand with you by putting photos of you and, you know, another person up and they could be thinking, fuck, are they, are they dating? Do they like each other? And they start putting up stories where it's you and someone else's hand. Oh my God, am I on a date with someone else? You know, baiting, baiting, baiting them. That's another form of, you know, getting someone to do something. And that's another form of manipulation. But this can also be done with friends as well you know, where they'll purposely hang out with one friend way more than another than you if they're trying to get your attention to make you feel like you're missing out, okay? If you have someone that experiences a lot of FOMO, that's a really good way to bait somebody. So that's just a handful of the millions and millions of ways that somebody could manipulate you, whether it's on purpose, whether it's maliciously or whether it's just whatever. Now I want to talk about the important things that you need to know about yourself. I have about, I've got 10. We're going to go through 10. Some of them are questions. Some of them are just things that you need to know. And let's just fucking dive straight in. Number one, you need to know what your minimum standard is for how you will be treated no matter what. You have to have that clear in your head. Okay. This means that even if someone thinks that you're a dud if someone teases you, if someone tries to pull you down, what is the bare minimum that you will tolerate before you walk away? And many people don't know what this is. They have no idea. Or they've just put no standard in place. And one person, they let one person treat them like really, really poorly. And then they've got good relationships here. And then another terrible relationship there. There's just no kind of set standard. It's a bit all over the place. A really good indicator to start with is look at how you treat yourself. That's a good indicator to determine kind of where is roughly my baseline. But normally how you treat yourself is not necessarily going to be the bare minimum because you also have to deal with people who are, you know, painful to deal with. And if you treat yourself very, 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 very highly, then it's probably unrealistic with dealing with people that you have to deal with to get by in life. However, there has to be a minimum standard in the sense that like I will absolutely not tolerate this and I will not interact with you if this is how I'm being treated. So you need to know what that is. You need to know, do I ever allow myself to get yelled at? Do I? And a really good way of, of looking at this as well is how do you treat people in general? The ones that you don't know, the ones that are your acquaintance and the ones that you love. How do you treat them? Are you allowing to tr people to treat you less than that? Okay. But know it. And if you don't know, sit down and fucking write it down as far as do I let people yell at me? Do I let people try and control me? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Number two. Do you believe that relationships of any kind need to be reciprocal in the sense that do I expect someone to treat me the way I treat them or do I allow someone to treat me like shit even though I'm treating them really well, okay? And if you know this, then when it isn't reciprocal, like if for sure you're like, yes, I think that for sure all my relationships should be reciprocal, if you know this and someone isn't reciprocal, 
with how you treat them, especially in dating, but in any scenario, really, it should be a warning sign, a big, big warning sign. And it should give you a chance to think long and hard about what you're going to do in this situation. Uh, If I had personally known this, then the toxic relationships that I was involved in would have been cut very short. Do you know what I'm saying? Or even I might not have even entered a relationship with these people if I really was clear on the fact that I need to only be in a relationship with somebody where how I treat them is reciprocated. It's so basic, but a lot of people don't even think about that. And you end up treating someone where you're like, oh yeah, like I know the bad is bad, but the good's really good. Not good enough. Not fucking good enough. Okay. So it should be reciprocal. And if that's the case, you're less likely to accept shit like fecal matter from these degenerates. Number three, it's really important to know this about yourself. How do you feel about control? How do you feel about being controlled? And when someone tries to control you, how do you interpret it? Do you look at that as endearing? Do you look at someone controlling you as a way of showing that they love you? Or do you feel suffocated? How do you feel? And then how do you feel about you controlling other people? Do you feel okay telling someone what they can and cannot wear? Or does that make you think like, oh my God, I would never do that. Do you think it's okay to tell someone how much makeup they should be wearing? And not just a partner, because this is obviously very obvious for partners, but your friends. Do you think it's okay for someone to have a control over who you see, what friends you hang out with? Or does that really jar you and grind your gears and does that make you feel like it's fucking creepy when your partner's telling you who you're allowed to hang out with or not, like as if you're five years old and they're your parent? So how do you feel about control? The more you are clear about how you feel about control, the easier it is to put parameters in place so people aren't controlling you. So you're able to put boundaries into place. If you are like, oh, yeah, true, I've never really thought about that. And then sometimes when someone does something controlling like, oh, it's I don't – you know, this is a typical way of controlling when, and it's, I'm going to use a gender because it's common with men, but I'm sure every gender does this, but I've experienced this with men in general, where it's, oh, it's, I, it's not that I don't trust you. I just don't trust other guys. So then because of that, it ju- they justify why they don't want you doing something or they don't want you going somewhere. Oh no, I really don't. It's, I, like, I trust you, but I don't want you going there because I don't trust other guys. Okay, so that's controlling. But a lot of people will look at that and think, oh, how sweet. They love me. That's a sign of love. They're telling me what I can and cannot do because they, they're concerned. Okay, so how do you feel about control? Know that about yourself. It's important. Because, look, if you just fucking, like, look, I know it's toxic, but I fucking love it. Fine, if that's what you want. But fine, but know that about yourself. Because if you understand that you, by default, interpret control as love, then at least you're aware. So then when someone starts controlling you more and more, you think, wait a minute, I normally, I normally say this as love, but is it? I need to question this a bit more, okay? It's, it's good to know the shit about yourself. And it's not saying you have to change it straight away or whatever, but know the answer. Number four, do you believe in tit for tat? As in, you know, an eye for an eye? Or instead, do you have a set rule of guidelines, like a set of guidelines that you live by, morals or standards, and no matter how someone treats you, you honor those guidelines. So for example, you think I'm always going to treat people with respect. And if someone disrespects me, I'm going to fucking burn their house down. Or 
if someone disrespects me, I'm going to remove myself from this situation. I don't need to be a part of that. But your standard of how you treat people never wavers. You either treat them well or you remove yourself from their life. What is it for you? Because if you're someone who is tit for tat, an eye for an eye, then you're more likely to get wrapped up in seeking revenge, in doing to them what was done to you. It's a lot harder for you to let go of things and it's a lot easier for you to get swept up in this really volatile, emotional, downward spiral when something happens to you and it can be very taxing on your life, on your happiness, on your mental health. And when it comes to relationships, friendships, romantic, whatever, if someone hurts you badly, if you're someone that's, you know, tit for tat, what you did to me, then you're always secretly wanting to see their demise and you're wasting so much of your energy in wishing that on someone. And it's it's honestly not worth it. And then it kind of ties into your need for closure and wanting to get to the bottom of everything. If you've just got this standard of treating people and when that dips below the standard, you remove yourself, it's a lot easier to maintain peace, inner peace, peace of mind, which to me is probably one of the most valuable things one can have. Number five, how do you feel about not being trusted and will you put up with it? Like personally – I have put up with it in the past, but now I would hands down rather be alone than be with someone who doesn't trust me any day of the week. Imagine, imagine, picture it, imagine sharing a bed, sleeping in a bed next to somebody who doesn't trust you when you have given them no reason not to trust you. Is that not the creepiest fucking thought you can think of? And if you're in that situation, rethink it, motherfucker, rethink it because that's so unnerving. I would feel so uncomfortable. Just don't do it to yourself. You're much better hanging out with a used tissue than a partner who doesn't trust you, okay? So if you choose to be with someone who doesn't trust you, then you are also accepting the fact that you are untrustworthy. That's what happens. If you stay with a partner who doesn't trust you, you are doubting your own integrity. So don't do it. That is the standard, you know. And and I look back in the past and when I was in relationships where partners didn't trust me, I was unnerved. I was uneasy. I was like, duh, walking on eggshells. It's so awful. I don't know why we do it to ourselves. It's honestly fucking twisted. And when you get out of it and you look back at it through a clearer lens, it's like, whoa, that was creepy. So please Ask yourself, genuinely, am I okay not being trusted? Am I really okay living my life this way? Hopefully not. I mean, it's cool to not be trusted by a colleague. Like, fucking whatever. Do what you need to do. When we leave work, see ya on your merry way. But with partners, it's different. It's a lot harder. It's a lot, it's a, yeah, it's more intense. Number six, what does it take for you to walk away in any scenario, socially, with people you've just met? with your friends for a long time, dating, work-related, anything. There has to be an upper limit. And what is that upper limit? What does it look like? Don't be like, oh, I'm, I'm you know, like, you know, do you know what I hate? One of my pet hates, I think I, I literally once was going to do a, like a segment of the podcast called Alexis's Pet Hates, but let's just not get negative because <laughs> there's too many. So there's, I hate it when I see someone who's just, 
struggling in their life in like a shit relationship or a shit situation at work and they say, I'm reaching my limit, I'm reaching my limit and when I get to that limit, there's no turning back. I'm like, can't, fuck off, can't, get a spine. What's the limit? Name the limit and when it gets there, tap out because if you keep saying, I'm going to get there, I'm going to get there, you are wasting your time. You are here once on this fucking earth. Unless you believe in reincarnation, in which case you might come back as like a lizard or a dolphin. But right here, right now, you're here once. Okay? Are you really going to be wasting away years of your life saying, I'm getting close to my limit without actually knowing or naming what your limit is? Who are you kidding? Yourself. You're kidding yourself. And anyone who chooses to listen and think, oh, yeah, yeah, no, she's really getting close to her limit. Name the limit. Know what it takes for you to walk away. What is, what is the fucking final straw and have that concrete and honour that and walk away if it gets there. And ideally put parameters into place so that changes so you can actually enjoy your life. I don't, I don't, I, I don't agree with you sitting around until shit gets worse for you to walk away. Know what it takes. And for some people all it takes is – if I don't see you change in X amount of time, I'm going to leave. A lot of the time, you don't have to wait for it to get worse. You can just make a call and leave. So anyway, that's my pet hate. So anyway, know what it takes. Number seven, are you easily peer pressured? And if so, what tactics have you tried in your past? And why didn't those tactics work? Like what boundaries did you put in place so it's less likely for people to peer pressure you? And what didn't work? So if at the start of the night you say, guys, I really, really don't want to be drinking. I really don't want to. I wish I couldn't, like, I really wish I could drink with you guys, but I'm just trying to be good. That's a pretty shit tactic, no offense, because you look like you're suffering. And so your mates are like, fuck, can't have a drink. You, you look pained in the face. Just fucking have a beer. And then before you know it, you're like, oh, okay, oh, and then you've had a beer. And then like that was a shit tactic instead of walking in, ordering a water or whatever. And then if someone's like, oh, you're not drinking, you say, nah, not in the mood. Very different. Okay. So what parameters are you putting into place? What have you done? So it's less likely to be peer pressured. And more importantly, what hasn't worked for you? It's really good to know what hasn't worked for you instead of thinking, oh God, I tried. I'm such a failure. No, it's a process of elimination. Look, I really tried that. That didn't work because of X, Y, Z, or it wasn't bold enough, or I wasn't committed enough, or, you know, I let it get too far before I tried to put in a boundary. And then it was just too tempting. And I know how much I love doing X, Y, Z. Okay, so it's really, really, really good to know. So that gives you more of a chance to prepare. Number eight, know what you don't know. This is a huge one and it will liberate you from so many debates and so many arguments and so much stress and so many immature encounters, okay? People who manipulate you love or manipulate people in general love to catch someone out with incorrect information. And not only do they want to catch you out with incorrect information, they want to rub it in your face. They want to laugh about it. And they want to tell everyone else, oh my God, we were arguing about this and they were fucking wrong. Okay. So it's really easy when you're debating with someone, especially someone who pisses you off. You're like, fuck, I want to punch you in the face. And you're arguing with them. And then they say something that you're like, I know you're wrong. And then you start arguing and arguing. And then it turns out that they prove you wrong. And then you're so embarrassed and so horrified. Okay. Do you know how easy it is in life to just say, 
I actually don't know the answer to that. It just reduces what you're talking about into nothing in an instant. You say, well, this conversation can go nowhere because I don't have facts. I don't know. Don't care. Or I do care, but I don't know. So not going to bother continuing this conversation. You know, a lot of people want to battle and they'll prod and prod and prod. And all you have to do is know what you don't know and just say, I don't know enough about that. I don't know. If people try and like stir you because they know you ha- you voted for a different political party and they're prodding and prodding and prodding, you can just say, look, I'm actually, I don't know enough about that topic to even bother discussing it. I don't know. Instead of like firing up and arguing, it's so much easier. And then no one can throw something in your face. Whereas if you pretend to know everything, And if you start pulling facts out of your anus, then people are going to try and catch you out. And then that's going to fire you up. And then it's going to cause a situation that you didn't even want in the first place. So you need to find a way to diffuse situations whenever possible from people that you don't want to be engaged in an argument from people you don't want to be manipulated by. And the best way to do so is be clear on what you don't know and be comfortable with that and be like have no issues or qualms or embarrassment admitting that you don't know something. Second last one. Number nine, do you normally resist statements that are meant to wind you up? In other words, when someone's trying to wind you up, do they normally achieve their goal or not? So for example, people who like to manipulate other people in this way like to, they like to kind of get you to negate what they're saying. So, for example, oh, you're saying you're boring now. You're saying you're boring. Come on, come on. And they're trying to get you to negate it. It's a form of peer pressure. So then you want to say, no, I don't want them to think this of me. And, oh, God, the, the way they're saying it, it's making me look like a fucking idiot. So now I've got to prove I've got something to prove. And then they've wound you up. You feel like you've got to prove them wrong. And then you get swept up. You get sucked into this by resisting what they're saying. When instead, or when someone says, oh, are you scared to lose? Are you scared to be wrong? Are you scared? You know, this whole wind up. So instead, I always just, you know, like I remove the resistance altogether. And you just say something like, yes, I'm boring. That is precisely me. Like I literally just agree with them in the most ridiculous way. So I will just agree with you. I'm like, yep, yep, that's exactly, yep, you've nailed it. You've absolutely nailed it. That's right. I, yep. I'm I'm terrified to lose. You've nailed it. You got me. And you just you just no resistance, no resistance. Just make it known very very clearly that these statements are not going to change your mind. If you argue, oh no, like it's not that, then it can escalate. The moment you're like, yep, you're right. You got me. You got me. I'm a fucking idiot. That's right. Or whatever it is, the 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 argument goes nowhere. Okay? Or if you don't want to agree with them, you can just stare at them and say, you're allowed to think whatever you want to think of me. I'm not going to stop you. Okay, that's, a, that's one that I definitely have used before and I love it. So you just don't resist. If you know that you are someone that normally resists, try doing it the other way and see how little someone has a hold of you when you just release this you know, need to, when you, basically when they're winding you up, if you don't let it get to a point where you're being wound up, they can't actually manipulate you. They have no ammunition. And lastly, number 10, what does standing up for yourself look like? I think a lot of people who might not feel confident or might not label themselves as being confident will freak out at the thought 
of or the concept of standing up for themselves because they think it's this intense, scary position to be in where, you know, you're the only one that's looking out for yourself or where you're the only one that can defend yourself. And then because of that, you might think that it requires saying something really intense or having a great comeback or yelling back or matching someone's intensity and matching their energy. But it doesn't have to be that. Standing up for yourself can simply be just protecting yourself from a statement, protecting yourself from a situation, an encounter, an outing, a person, a group of people, uh, a conversation. So for me, one of the best ways that I protect or that I stand up for myself is by removing myself from a statement or a situation or anything that just isn't working for me or that makes me feel uneasy, uncomfortable, upset. And then I turn around and I engage in an activity on something that's going to make me feel calmer. Not every time that you stand up for yourself does it have to be a verbal thing. And I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm really bad at standing up for myself. I'm really bad because they think it requires this grand event and a big statement, but it doesn't. You could be really good at standing up for yourself and all it takes is saying, this is my fucking cue to leave. I'm going to remove myself from this moment, this situation. I don't have to be at this party. I don't have to go to that event. I don't have to stay here. If, you know, your group of friends is having a conversation that makes you feel really uncomfortable, you can leave. You don't have to. If you feel like, oh, I feel really, I feel it's like 10 against one and I'm going to feel really uncomfortable saying my piece. You don't have to, but you can just remove yourself. So understand what does standing up for yourself look like and broaden that idea. Because when you can get a lot broader with the idea of what it looks like, then you're more likely to find ways where you can stand up for yourself that caters to you and what makes you still feel comfortable. All right. Hopefully that helped. That is it for the topic of today's episode. I hope that you loved it. Um, And of course, we have the listener question coming up to wrap it up. But as always, thank you so much, guys. You have been sharing this podcast so much. The Oh my God, if you guys aren't a member yet of the Facebook group, please become one. I am loving some of the comments are fucking hysterical, especially after the Ick podcast. People were there adding their icks and I was dying of laughter. It was so good. And then we also had people who have put up a a thread or started a thread on how people have taken a leap of faith. There's another thread of like where everyone is in all the different locations in the world. It is such a fucking vibe. So if you're not already a member of the Facebook group, please jump on and become a member. It is just do you fucking mind with Alexis Fernandez? You just got to answer like three basic questions and then you're let in. And that is all. Love you guys so much. Listener question. All right, let's get straight into the listener question of the episode. Hey, Queen Bean, love the pod. It has changed my world. I wonder if you could do an episode on projecting because I'm finding it's really common and I'd love to know the neuroscience behind it. Yes, that's actually a very good idea and I absolutely will add that to my list of episodes. Um, so here's the question. I was seeing someone and it felt like there were endless different ways in which he projected, but one was that he always projected his feelings onto me. For example, one day we were in the park. It was a great day. We were laughing and joking around and I was happy feeling chilled. He said, why are you so anxious? Which was baffling, but I assured him I wasn't. I was actually in a great mood with nothing to worry about. He said, no, I can feel that you're anxious and kept pushing it. He had recently lost his job, so I figured it was his anxiety. So I asked him, is there anything that you're anxious about? He denied it. 
I asked about him losing his job and he mumbled and finally said, well, maybe a little, but I'm definitely feeling anxiety from you. As this went on, he started insisting it was his right to have an opinion on how I felt, yet didn't allow me to disagree or know for myself. Fucking glad I don't have to deal with him anymore. Yeah, same. That's fucking, anyway. It becomes, it became more frequent. So I brought up this habit and he said, well, if you aren't always anxious, why do you get so defensive every time? But literally I was just stating how I really felt. What the fuck is this? Is it gaslighting and projecting combined? I'd love to know your thoughts and how to deal with projecting because it's frustrating and difficult to pull someone up on it. Thank you. You're amazing. And avid love from a Melbourne bean. Okay. This is a little bit gaslightish, gaslighterish in the sense that they are they are turning the truth around. They are creating, they're making you believe something that or they are, are trying to make you believe something that isn't real or they're making you question your reality. So in other words, insisting that you're anxious when you're not anxious, insisting that you're feeling a, a certain way when you're not feeling a certain way. And then when you are questioning it or when you're negating it or denying it, they then um, accuse you of something else, okay? So that's very much something what, what a gaslighter would do. They, they try and create a reality. If you kind of negate it, they then go hard and accuse you on like why are you being this way or why are you getting defensive or why whatever, okay? So that is – similar to what a gaslighter would do in a certain situation. And you are correct in the sense that a lot of people do project things about their insecurities onto other people. So for example, if someone's really insecure about a certain aspect of their physical um, appearance, they're likely to pick that specific thing out in other people and draw a lot of attention to that specific thing in other people, whether they say it out loud or maybe make a passing comment. But they're also more likely to be way more judgmental to other people about how they look in general because it's a way of taking the attention of them and projecting it onto somebody else. And I'm using this physical appearance thing just because it's something quite common. But it, it, this is in other areas as well. It could be about any kind of other ability. It could be around your financial stability, how much money you have, how little money you have. Um, a lot of people who you know struggle with money their way of projecting might be to put down someone that has a lot of money, making it look like they're superficial, for example. Okay. So a lot of people will project when they're feeling a certain way, they'll try and turn it around to make it look like someone else is feeling that certain way. So the attention is not on them. In this situation though, I feel like, so obviously you're not seeing this person anymore. And I think that sounds like a good thing because it sounds like this person was trying to control the situation every time you guys were, you know, letting your hair down. He kind of would ambush the situation and turn it around and make it look like he knew more than you, than you, not more about you than you did about yourself. It's a big, big, big red flag when someone acts as if they know you better than you know yourself. If someone says that to you, and means it, you need to have your fucking, your fucking, what do you call it? Like you need to be very alert to check if this is kind of controlling behavior. Okay. And the reason for this is that that is kind of like one of the first steps to 
you know, emotional manipulation in the sense that they try and make you question how well you know yourself and they're trying to get you to kind of rely on them when it comes to things about yourself. And that's not okay because really no one knows you as much as you know yourself. Yes, I do believe that partners can identify behaviors in other partners. And, you know, for example, I can say something about about Tyrone and he'll be like, how did you know that? And I will say, I know you better than you think I do, but I would never say to Tyrone, I know you better than you know yourself because that's bullshit. I don't and I never will and vice versa, okay? So you can surprise your partner and say, I know you and I know your facial expressions and your little muscles better than you think I do, but there's no way that you know that someone knows you better than you know yourself, okay? That's fucking ridiculous, especially when it comes to feelings and emotions and especially especially states of anxiety, happiness, or depression, okay? That is outrageous. So if that happens again with somebody else in your future, and especially like this cunt is saying, saying, no, you are definitely feel, I'm definitely feeling anxiety from you. Okay, that's an opinion. That's not a fact. That's an opinion. And then he says, and then you say that he went on and started insisting it was his right to have an opinion, So he's literally negating himself. He's a walking contradiction. He's saying, I am definitely feeling anxiety from you and then calls that an opinion. No, he's stating, well, he's attempting to state what seems to be a fact. Otherwise, he would have said, oh, I just felt that you might have been anxious. And an opinion is just that, an opinion. Anyone is entitled to an opinion. But when someone starts rubbing their opinion in your face so hard and when you then cross it out and say, actually... I'm the only one who can know if I'm anxious or not. And I'm telling you for a fact right now, I'm actually not anxious. If he keeps arguing that, that's no longer him stating an opinion, okay? This is now a debate about something. So, I mean, you're not with him anymore, so that's fine. But I will say, you know what? You are fucking entitled to have your opinion. Have your fucking opinion alone, not on my watch. And I'd fucking walk away because that would absolutely drive me insane having to deal with somebody like that who's projecting what they think is an emotion and then saying that you're the one who's feeling it, okay? If you are in that situation again where someone is accusing you of feeling a certain way after you've negated it, do not give it any airtime at all ever, okay? So personally, in that exact situation, if that were to happen again, I would say, listen, if you think I'm anxious, let's just call it a night because I actually feel great. This is putting a dampener on my night and I can imagine that you're probably not having a great time hanging around me because obviously you keep talking about how anxious I am so why don't we just fucking split ways for the evening. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, that's what I would do. I would nip it in the bud. I would not accept someone. And if they have a tantrum, run for the fucking hills, okay? That's someone who's trying to control you and then if you stand up for yourself and they're like, oh, why are you getting defensive? Why are you getting defensive? That's control. That's someone trying to control you. And someone accusing you of getting defensive without trying to warmly approach you saying, listen, I want to talk about something and blah, 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 blah. If someone's just saying you're defensive, you're defensive, that to me is someone who can't argue properly and who's trying to manipulate the situation so you come crawling back to them because no one likes to be labelled as defensive. So they end up trying to like turn the situation around and come crawling because you don't want to come across as the quote-unquote psychopath in a, in a situation, okay? Don't let that happen. If someone says you're defensive, you're defensive, and you start walking away, let them think it. Who cares? Who cares? You need to just fuck, get the fuck out of that situation. 
All right, that is the listener question for the day. Hopefully that helped you. Don't put up with that shit. Absolutely don't put up with that shit. Um, That is all for today. As always, guys, love you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And always remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Don't care.